Now at the Home Depot, save up to 35% off appliance special buys. Like the Samsung stainless steel side-by-side refrigerator, just $9.98. You save $300. It's big enough to hold 25 bags of groceries. Unload those, and if that makes you thirsty, you'll really love the external ice maker and water dispenser. Today is the day for doing. Spring Black Friday savings now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details valid through April 17th. Welcome to Creating a Family, Talk About Adoption and Foster Care. Today we're going to be talking about practical tips for helping your child de-escalate, and we'll be talking with Dr. Ross Green. He is the author of The Explosive Child, as well as a relatively new book the, uh, called Raising Human Beings. Great show, great information. I think you're going to enjoy what you hear. Here's a sample. I actually don't work quite as hard to figure out exactly what it was, believe it or not, because often, not always, but often what it was that we think is causal, number one, we're not actually all that sure that it was causal, but number two, more importantly, as a practical guy, often there's not a whole lot that we can do about the things that were causal. So I don't like to see people get too wrapped up in cause. What I would prefer that people do, irrespective of cause, is figure out What skills is this kid lacking? What expectations is this kid having difficulty meeting? To me, those are the really important part because that brings us to the present, not searching for what caused the kid to have those lagging skills and unsolved problems. Everyone, it is that time of year of giving, both for tax reasons as well as just the general uh, part of the season. Uh, And we would like for you to consider uh, creating a family as part of your end-of-year giving. I want to read you uh, an email that we received actually just last month. She says, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your resources, especially the podcast, have made a huge difference in our family. I can actually say that I enjoy our daughter now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We get these type of emails all the time. We are making a difference, and we need your support to keep keep on doing what we do. So please, we're asking for a small donation. We're asking for $3 a month. So go to our website, creatingafamily.org, top right side. There's a button called Donate. You do that, and there's an ability to make a recurring donation. Of course, you don't have to. You can make a a one-time donation. But a recurring donation of $3 a month will go a long way to helping us, and we really appreciate that. This show is brought to you by our underwriter, Jockey Being Family Foundation. One of their programs is their backpack program. And they, if you, if you have an adoption agency or know an adoption agency or working with an adoption agency, let them know about this program. They provide newly adopted children with their own backpack, with the, the child's own backpack. But inside the backpack, in addition to a cute little bear and a blanket for the child, are parenting resources for you, the parent. So let your agency know they have to sign up. It's a wonderful resource, and it is free to the adoption agency and to you. They can sign up at the website, jockeybeingfamily.com. In addition to having Jockey Being Family as our underwriter, we also have other wonderful agencies who believe in our mission of providing unbiased, accurate information to pre- and post-adoptive and foster families. One such agency is Children's House International. They are a Hague-accredited international adoption agency with programs in 13 countries. They can provide home studies in Florida, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Texas, Utah, and Washington State, and they can place children with any U.S.-approved family worldwide. Today, we're going to be talking about practical tips for helping children de-escalate. Our guest is Dr. Ross Green. He is a clinical child psychologist who was on the faculty at Harvard Medical School for 20 years and is the author of a new book, Raising Human Beings, as well as an older book but one of our favorites, The Explosive Child. Um, 
we're going to really focus on on skill development, how to implement and and make this uh, second nature to you uh, as parents who are struggling with children who seem to more readily spin out of control. That's a a scary feeling. Uh, Dr. Green, thank you so much for being with us today uh, and helping us explore further um, how we can help our little kiddos. Uh, Happy to be here. Uh, I think it helps to start with normal child, uh, healthy child development. Many of our children, uh, and for the people that uh, who will be uh, listening to us, uh, have children who have joined their family through adoption or foster care, and oftentimes children who have experienced uh, trauma or early childhood uh, neglect or abuse. So, uh, but but uh, we often view our children through the lens of of dysfunction. It's helpful to understand normal child development as well. So, how how does a healthy child who has not, let's say, experienced uh, abuse or neglect, develop the ability to control their emotions? Well, first of all, it's modeled for them, but um, then they develop some skills along the way a lot of them mediated by language that helps them acquire the skills of flexibility, adaptability, and frustration tolerance, and problem solving. And those are the ones that tend to see us through when we are faced with a problem or frustration. A lot of us take those skills for granted, but if you are the parent or other type of caregiver of a kid with behavioral challenges, you don't take them for granted because they are skills that your child is lacking. Yeah. So at what age do children usually start developing control over their behavior? And we'd, we would expect not to see the frustrations that boil over into temper tantrums and truly out-of-control behavior. Well, it's interesting because uh, you see in infants uh, the genesis of these skills. There are infants that are under and overreactive. There are infants who have difficulty settling. There are infants that um, respond very strongly to noise and lights and sounds. So often an infant's temperament uh, tells us a great deal about what things are going to look like down the pike. Now, of course, things can change. But I would say that the most important, as I mentioned before, the most important mediator as far as I'm concerned is language because a great deal of the thinking that we human beings do is in words. And that includes the thinking that we do to solve problems and um, self-reassure ourselves that we can handle this and that um, it's just a problem and we can figure it out and we can come up with a solution to it. A great deal of that thinking occurs in words. So if you needed me to rank the number one skill where we really start to see kids begin to kick in uh, beyond infancy, it's when language starts to develop. But we also see uh, in kids for whom language is delayed how important language really is because oftentimes when language isn't developing, some of those other skills that are related to flexibility, adaptability, frustration, tolerance, and problem solving are delayed as well. Well, and, and, and uh, particularly for people who adopt internationally, um, we it's very common to see children when they come over and, and and have been fluent in a language, even if it's it's rudimentary fluency, and then are put in an environment where they don't understand and they can't be understood. We often see uh, a reversion to behaviors that are that that appear to be out of control when, in fact, they're just a child experiencing extreme frustration at not being able to express what they want. Well, and that's the case with every kid that I work with who has difficulty self-regulating their emotions, and that is that there are dozens and dozens of skills that most of us don't even think about that are related to our ability to self-regulate. You've just uh, named a great example of uh, a kid who may actually have had those skills coming over, Um, but then is placed in a situation in which um, they don't speak the language uh, literally and they can regress back to old behaviors that let us know that um, there's some skills that they are lacking in their new culture. So language is is an important skill for 
self-regulation. What are some other skills? One of the things that I appreciate so much uh, about uh, your books is that they are practical, and you list specific skills that our kids may be lacking. Language is one. What are some others? Well, there are five general categories that I talk about, language being one of them. The four others are executive skills, uh, emotion regulation skills, cognitive flexibility skills, and social skills. Um, Let me just describe a few within some of those categories. Um, In the emotion regulation department, uh, there's a skill called separation of affect which makes it much more sound more complicated than it really is. It refers to our ability to separate the emotions we are feeling in response to a problem or frustration from the thinking we must do to resolve it. And uh, kids and other human beings who are pretty good at that skill tend to respond to problems and frustrations with more thought than emotion, which is very good. Kids and other human beings who are not very good at that skill tend to respond to problems and frustrations with more emotion than thought, and that is not good. While emotions are useful, they energize us, they mobilize us, they propel us into action. Thinking is how problems get solved. Um, In the cognitive flexibility department, uh, there's a really important skill that most people have never really even thought about. I call it the skill of gray, which refers to gray thinking, which means the opposite (laughs) of black and white thinking because most things in life are gray and these kids tend to approach the world in a very rigid, inflexible, concrete, black and white manner. And that can throw them for quite the loop when things don't quite go according to plan or the way they had originally envisioned. And then In the social skills category, there are some basic but important ones like entering a group or starting a conversation, but there are also the ones that I talk a great deal about in raising human beings like empathy Mm -hmm. and appreciating how one's behavior is affecting other people and um, resolving disagreements without conflict and taking another person's perspective Those are the skills that define the better side of human nature. Those are skills, all of them that we've talked about, are skills that need to be taught explicitly and modeled and skills that we need to give kids as much opportunity for practicing as possible. And what things can interfere? I mean, you mentioned temperament, and and I think we often – disregard the importance of temperament and and as you point out we can actually see temperament there have been some some fascinating uh research done on observation observing uh newborns and uh temperament is is inborn uh you can tell a lot about a baby from you know in the first um, days of, of life so temperament is important but uh, a lot of our kids uh, have had issues of early trauma or institutionalization, mm-hmm. which is a type of trauma. So what does uh, early trauma do as to both skill, as to the acquisition of these skills? Early trauma, or in the case of kids who may be adopted from certain regions of the world, early neglect, um, deprava- sensory deprivation, um, all of these adverse experiences delay the development of really important skills. And that's really how I look at it. I don't point to one particular um, adverse experience as being the cause. I look at any uh, experience, any life event that delays the development of skills is fair game. Um, And certainly trauma is high on the list, but so would difficult temperament be. So would family dysfunction potentially be. Um, There's many things that could be on the list. I actually don't work quite as hard to figure out exactly what it was, believe it or not, because often, not always, but often what it was that we think is causal Number one, we're not actually all that sure that it was causal. But number two, more importantly, as a practical guy, often there's not a whole lot that we can do about the things that were causal. So I don't like to see people get too wrapped up in cause 
What I would prefer that people do, irrespective of cause, is figure out what skills is this kid lacking, what expectations is this kid having difficulty meeting. To me, those are the really important part because that brings us to the present, not searching for what caused the kid to have those lagging skills and unsolved problems. Excellent. So what I'd like to do now is talk about some practical situations, and let's apply that approach. What skill is the child lacking, and what expectations are they not meeting, or another, or what is triggering them? Are uh, well, I'll let you decide how to do it. But uh, hmm. all right. So let me start with um, uh, a particular situation. Um, let's an- analyze what this child's skills, this child may be lacking, and what is triggering them. Um, my foster son has been with us for almost 18 months. He is eight, and he's a great kid, except he can't stand to hear the word no. You ask for an example, so here's one that happened last week. He and my two other kids were with me at the grocery store for a quick trip. I prepared him in advance that we were going to buy just what we needed for dinner, and we would not be buying candy or toys. I asked him if he understood. He said yes. All was fine until we walked past the cheap, stupid plastic toys near checkout. He started to beg for one. I said no, and he fell apart. I'm talking a major tantrum. I could see it coming as soon as I said no, but I can't figure out how to head it off once he starts going down that escalation road. All right, Dr. Green, (laughs) what would you suggest? This is a fun one. Uh, Actually, I think they're all kind of fun, except I'm not the one who's usually having to deal with them, so it's easier for me to think they're fun. I'm sure this mom didn't think it was so fun in the grocery store. Um, But let me, let me, before we respond directly to this, let me give a little background information. Mm -hmm. That unsolved problem is highly predictable. This mom knows, because it's happened before, that Uh, her son is having difficulty if we can't buy candy or toys at the grocery store. That's the expectation he's having difficulty meeting. And I call that an unsolved problem, also known as problems that have yet to be solved, also known as problems that are waiting to be solved. How do we know that problem isn't solved yet? Because it caused a big blowout in the grocery store yet again. The first time an unsolved, the first time a kid has difficulty meeting an expectation, it's a surprise. After that, it's not a surprise anymore. So, we don't want to be solving that problem in the heat of the moment. We want to be solving that problem proactively. But first, we have to use an instrument that I developed. It's called the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, and people can find it on the website of my nonprofit, Lives in the Balance which is lives, L-I-V-E-S, in the balance, dot O-R-G. And what they're looking for is the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And what it's going to help them do is figure out what skills their child is lacking. And by the way, as it relates to which lagging skill is precipitating that challenging episode, I have no idea. Could be many of the 23 that are listed on the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. The good news is, It's definitely lagging skills, and once we figure out what skills the child is lacking, we can start viewing the kid through much more compassionate, humane, accurate lenses, because let's face it, there's a lot of things we could say about that kid that are inaccurate. He's a spoiled brat. He's doing it for attention. He's manipulating us. He's coercing that mom into capitulating to his wishes. Um, He's testing limits. He's pushing her buttons. None of those are accurate. One of the most important missions that we need to accomplish is to start understanding that challenging behavior is the byproduct of lagging skills. Now, I can be about the unsolved problem. And it's not difficulty with the word no. This mom is only saying no in response to expectations her child is having difficulty meeting. That's when adults say no. We don't say no in response to expectations our child is meeting. We only say no in response to expectations our child isn't meeting. 
But difficulty with the word no is going to refer to 37 different expectations that the child is having difficulty meeting. And so what the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems is going to help this mom do is figure out with much greater precision the specific conditions in which her child is having difficulty meeting expectations. And in the story that she wrote you about, we know one. He's having difficulty if we can't buy toys or candy when we go to the grocery store. Now, we ready for the next part? Yeah, absolutely. Once we figure out what a kid's lagging skills and unsolved problems are, we have to prioritize. First of all, he's a highly predictable kid. And secondly, we have to prioritize because we, now, now that we've identified them, you know, for many parents, all of these meltdowns are sort of fit into this big amorphous pit, this black hole of meltdowns, and that doesn't help them start solving problems because it all feels very um, nebulous to them. We've got to get really specific about the very specific unsolved problems the child is having difficulty meeting. Then we have to solve that problem. And because it's predictable, we can do it proactively. Solving a problem collaboratively and proactively, not unilaterally, not emergently. Unilateral would be, um, I'm not taking you to the grocery store anymore. Unilateral would be, if you pitch a fit when we don't buy candy or toys at the grocery store, you will lose your capacity to play Fortnite for a week. That's unilateral. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to do this in the heat of the moment. That's bad timing. We don't want to be unilateral. We want to be collaborative and proactive. Solving a problem collaboratively and proactively consists of three steps. Step number one is called the empathy step. This is where we are gathering information from the kid, our best source of information on what's making it hard for a kid to meet a particular expectation is the kid about what's making it hard for him to meet that expectation. The second step is the define adult concerns step. This is where the adult is entering his or her concern into consideration. And the third step is the invitation. This is where kid and caregiver are collaborating on a solution, a solution that's going to address the concerns of both parties. Now, some people would say that kid just needs a good, swift kick, but giving kids a good, swift kick would never solve that problem. It would just make the kid's butt sore, but it wouldn't address or help us understand what's making it hard for the kid if we can't buy toys or candy at the grocery store. All right, and then let me, uh, for the sake of, of helping uh, others uh, understand some of these lagging skills, some of the lagging skills and, and, and that you might want to be thinking about with your kids are the difficulty handling transitions, you know, shifting from one task to another or one mindset to another, difficulty doing things in a logical sequence or a prescribed order that probably isn't involved with with this situation, Um being able to persist, difficulty in, 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 in being able to overcome a tedious or a challenging task, poor sense of time, um, difficulty in, in reflecting on multiple thoughts at the same time, um, predicting outcomes, difficulty predicting outcomes. Um, I'm just reading through some of these. Um, yep, all good ones. Diffi- difficulty considering a range of solutions to a problem. Yes, indeed, that's a, a big one. Um, understanding, uh, just understanding you, um, uh, difficulty managing the emotional response to frustration might well be involved in this, uh, difficulty in seeing the grays, that concrete, literal black and white thinking, something that we hear a lot of, um, uh, from our kids, um, deviating from routine, difficulty in deviating from routine or handling unpredictability, uh, shifting from one idea to another. All of these and and, and others are uh, potential skills that your child does not have. So as I understand what you are saying, Dr. Green, in this particular situation, um, the mom talked to the child ahead of time and explained her expectations. Uh, and the child said he understood, 
but uh, but in fact, he there, there was a lack of agreement <laughs> or a lack of understanding or something because he didn't he wasn't able to follow through. So if I'm understanding what you're saying, what you would suggest is that uh beforehand this is she knows that when they go to the grocery store and probably the other stores as well that her son is going to beg for a toy is going to be told no and is going to lose it so in advance of going to the grocery store model for us what you would expect uh the conversation to be and and first of all she needs to identify what it is her son is struggling with uh and let's say it's uh she's she she identifies that he has trouble uh shifting gears he has uh trouble uh thinking through possible solutions uh at the moment so let's say and there's probably others as well uh that he has so she's thought through, and she goes, these are the things that he clearly struggles with. Uh, so what would the conversation be? And, and, and I heard you say this is well in advance. This is not uh, in the car as you're walking or, or in the parking lot as you're walking into the grocery store. This would have been or, worse yet, or worse yet, once he starts pitching a fit in the grocery store, yeah, um, well, which yeah. is <laughs> all, all bad timing. But here's yeah, the deal. It is. When you're using the ALSIP, you're identifying lagging skills, and that's primarily so that you have the right lenses on. It gets you to stop saying attention-seeking, manipulative, coercive, unmotivated, limit-testing, all of those things we talked about earlier. And it helps you start viewing your kid through the prism of the skills he or she is lacking. But you don't really have to be thinking about lagging skills before you start trying to solve a problem with your child. You've already got the right lenses on, almost irrespective of which lagging skill it is, and you don't need incredible precision on that. You just need to know, here are the skills my child is lacking. You need those general lenses on, but not necessarily specific to a particular unsolved problem. Once you start trying to solve the problem with the kid, you're really totally focused on that unsolved problem. And Here's what it would sound like as you introduce the unsolved problem to the kid. I've noticed you've been having difficulty if we can't buy a toy or candy at the grocery store. What's up? That's what the introduction to the empathy step sounds like. Um, You might even want to give your kid advance warning that, not warning, but advance notice that there's something you'd like to understand better because you've noticed that it continues to cause conflict between you, and that's not fun for anybody. So you'd like to understand something better than you understand it right now. And what you've just done is um, ask the kid to help you understand what's hard about that for him. Now, there's any variety of things he might say next. You never buy me toys that I want. Um, It's hard for me. Yep. It's hard for me Uh to see toys in the grocery store and not want them. Um, I never know when I'm going to be able to buy a toy and when I'm not because um, it's too unpredictable for me. Uh, Sometimes you buy me a toy and sometimes you don't, and I can never tell what it's going to be on this trip. Um, Here's what's interesting. None of those would be addressed simply by giving the kid advance warning that on this trip we're not buying a toy. None. And this is what we always find is that once we finally understand what the kid's concern or perspective is, what's making it hard for him to meet a particular expectation, we find that all of those adult solutions that we'd been trying previously that weren't working, we now understand why they're not working because they couldn't possibly have addressed the kid's concern or perspective, which we didn't know anything about because we never previously asked The second step, once we finally feel like we understand what the kid's concern or perspective is, and by the way, there's some great video on the Lives in the Balance website showing people what this looks like. Uh, It's time for the define adult concern step. This is where the adult is entering his or her concern into consideration on the same unsolved problem. We adults have very important concerns as well. Uh, Unfortunately, we frequently don't have the slightest idea what they are because we've already moved on to our solutions, which we are usually busy imposing. Adult concerns fall into one or both of two categories. How the unsolved problem is affecting the kid, how the unsolved problem is affecting other people. So let me take a stab at what an adult might say in the defined adult concern step on this one. My concern is that I can't buy you a toy every time we go to the grocery store because I'd run out of money 
if I did. And we need money for other things that our family needs, and we can't just spend all the money on toys. Great concern. Yeah, the third seems step, reasonable to me. Yeah, well, and this is one that I've probably dealt with hundreds of times because it's not an uncommon, unsolved <laughs> problem. Um, you know, it's up there on the list of <laughs> things that people struggle with continuously, but quite frankly, unnecessarily. If people are still struggling with an unsolved problem, it's because they haven't tried to solve it collaboratively and proactively yet. They've been trying to do it reactively and unilaterally. The invitation is where we are trying to come up with a solution that addresses the concerns of both parties. So here's what that might sound like. I wonder if there's a way. The invitation always starts with the words, I wonder if there's a way. I'm going to pick one of the kids' concerns here. For us to make sure that you know how much money we have to spend on toys um, every month so that you know whether we can afford to buy a toy on this trip to the grocery store or not, and also make sure that we aren't spending so much money on toys, this is the adult's concern, that we don't have money for the other things we need to spend money on, like food and gasoline for the car. Um, and then you're giving the kid the first crack at the solution. Do you have any ideas? Very good strategy to give the kid the first crack at the solution because it lets him know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're actually interested in his ideas. Um, this is a very solvable problem and what many families that I've worked with on this unsolved problem, I don't like to give solutions because the solution is whatever you and the kid come up with based on what your concerns were. But many families have come up with a toy purchasing budget every month um, so that everybody's crystal clear on what the toy budget is and so that um, not only the parents know based on their whims, or based on how much money they got in their wallet, but also the kid knows, so the kid can start to learn how to stay within a budget, mm -hmm. but also knows that on this trip to the grocery store, we're tapped out on our toy buying budget for the month, but the first day of the next month is only five days away. So there goes those meltdowns. That problem is now solved. It's only unsolved problems that cause challenging episodes. Solved problems don't. You've also just taken ten giant leaps forward in the communication department and in the relationship department and, best of all, in the skill-building department because there's all kinds of skills that kids are learning and practicing when you're, when you're engaging them in those three steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the, the one that certainly comes to mind is the ability to – not so much compromise, although that is it too, but uh, the, the the ability to think outside of, of of more than one solution, the ability to to think and hold a couple of different ideas in your head at the same time, um, because that's what problem solving is all about. Correct. I mean, I can name a bunch of others. Really important for human beings to be able to figure out what their concerns are. That's being trained in the empathy step to the kid. Mm -hmm. really important for human beings to know how to articulate those concerns in ways that other people can hear and understand. We are living in an era these days in which people are, some people are expressing their concerns in ways that are very caustic and very inflammatory. That doesn't help people hear your concerns, doesn't help people know what your concerns are. Uh, in the Define Adult Concern step, kids are learning how to listen to somebody else's concerns, uh, take other people's concerns into account, uh, appreciate how their behavior is affecting other people, take another person's perspective. Mm -hmm. In the invitation, kids, as we mentioned, are learning how to generate alternative solutions, how to come up with solutions that don't just work for one's self but also for other people. And I should just mention, there's somebody else who's learning skills in all those three steps, and they're the same skills. <laughs> it's the caregiver who's doing Plan B with the kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's actually a, a good segue into uh, another situation uh, that we, I'd like to um, think in terms of 
practical skills at how families can handle this. She writes, my daughter has to be my daughter has to be on such a rigid schedule in order to behave. It is absolutely exhausting to us. Life simply isn't that predictable. I'll be honest that I struggle with maintaining a routine, but in the last year I have really tried, and I'm worn out. If anything changes, she falls apart. I know it's going to happen, but I can't always make life follow the same pattern. She is six and been with us for four years. Um, all right. Um, I know that uh, we, we can talk about what skills she is lacking, certainly the ability to make transitions and the ability to uh, uh, handle anything outside of the predicted routine is clearly some of the skills. So that um, is putting us in the mindset that she is not being a brat. She is not attention-seeking. She is lacking the ability to do this. Now, it is predictable, but but how do you address this? Because... I could define the adult concern um, to ask the child, but I, I, could not, I understand the adult concern. Life, as she says it, life simply isn't that predictable, and we can't go about having a fit every time something in life changes. So how would you handle this type of situation using your three-step approach? Uh, as also, it seems to me that we might need to be working with this child, giving her some experience in, in flexible thinking and outside of, of just in general, but go ahead. I'm predicting. <laughs> well, you give a child experience in predictable, in uh, flexible thinking, by doing Plan B with them, by solving mm-hmm. problems collaboratively and proactively. Mm-hmm. Um, but although it feels like what this parent is saying means that this kid is predictable, the kid's not predictable enough yet, and this is probably going to be the case with every vignette we cover. Um, in the next 25 minutes, it's not predictable enough yet because all I know so far about the kid is one lagging skill and that the mom has been trying very hard to do the impossible, make life perfectly predictable for her kid. Good mm-hmm. luck. Can't be yeah, done. Good luck. Mm-hmm. But she would make all of this much less nebulous and much more predictable if she pulled out downloaded from the Lives in the Balance website, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. By the way, it's free, so this is not a pitch for money here. This is a pitch for actually helping people and making this child much more predictable. We need to know much more about this kid's lagging skills, but we especially need to know much more about the specific conditions in which this kid is particularly having difficulty. What specific expectations is this kid having difficulty meeting? that the mom is describing uh, in very generic terms as difficulty handling unpredictability. So I think that when this mom uses the ALSIP to identify those specific situations in which her child is particularly struggling, and, and by the way, here are some potential examples, not knowing her child, but some of these might resonate because these are some of the things I see in kids for whom life cannot be perfectly predictable. Difficulty if she loses a game. Mm-hmm. Difficulty if we can't go to the park because it's raining. Difficulty um, if um, she doesn't, if the writing on her homework assignment isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Difficulty sometimes transitioning uh, is often would often be perhaps potentially involved in this, which in heaven only knows transitions happen throughout our day. Um, well, and that's difficulty making transitions would be a lagging skill. Mm-hmm. Difficulty uh, turning off the TV to come to dinner would be the uns- would be an unsolved problem. Mm-hmm. Difficulty turning off the computer game to go to bed would be an unsolved problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, so one is a lagging skill, which is more generic and helps us get the right lenses on. The unsolved problem is the specific expectation the kid is having difficulty meeting, and that's what you're actually trying to solve. The lagging skill helps you get the lenses on. The unsolved mm-hmm. problem is what you're actually working on. All right, so so what? if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're suggesting for this mom is to be more specific with the individual unsolved problems. Correct. She's talked about 
a need to be rigid, but okay, exactly how is that manifesting itself as a problem? Um, and, and you're right, it can be, um, uh, let's see, she talks about it being a very rigid schedule. All right, so we, we've had to change the schedule. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a snow day, and so we're not going to school, even though normally this is a Tuesday and we are in school. Uh, right. So, uh, all right, so that's the unsolved problem. So then you would approach that, I'm assuming, is that then the next step is to approach it with your three steps. The Bingo. first one being asking the child, gathering information and showing empathy. Why is it so hard for you when we uh, don't have school due to snow and you're expecting to go to school? You must be in North Carolina. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I heard the place is shut down. Um, uh, so uh I'm in Portland, do... Maine. We don't we don't shut down on a foot of snow. Well, sometimes you know sometimes we do shut down on a foot of snow, but 6 inches wouldn't shut down schools up here. But anyways. <laughs> so true. Uh all right. So um But that's the uh, so... unsolved problem that we're going to work on with that kid. I've noticed that it's difficult for you uh if there's no school on a snow day. What's up? And now we are all ears um, because that's not problem not going to get solved unless we figure out what's making it hard for that kid to meet that expectation. So with the, let's say the kid says, I, I like going to school. That's what I'm supposed to do on Tuesdays. Well, now we're going to go a little deeper into the model. Also on the Lives in the Balance website and in videos, people will find something that I call the drilling cheat sheet. There are eight drilling strategies to help us gather more information from a kid because the first thing the kid tells us about a particular unsolved problem is not going to give us a complete understanding about what's making that difficult. So I'm just going to talk about one of the drilling strategies right now. There's eight of them, so people definitely want to download the drilling cheat sheet as well. Everything on the website is free, by the way, so none of this is a pitch for people to buy something. Um, the drilling cheat sheet has eight drilling strategies on it. The first one is called reflective listening, also known as mirroring. It's where you're simply saying back to the kid whatever the kid just said to you. And then uh, asking clarifying questions like, how so? Or um, can you say more about that? So if the kid responds with, I like going to school, we do not yet have a comprehensive understanding about what's hard for the kid about when there's no school on a snow day. So we're gonna, I'm just going to use reflective listening. There's seven others. Uh, okay. You like school. Can you tell me more about that? If I don't go to school, I won't see my friends. I'm going to do reflective listening again. If you don't I, go I tell to what, school... I'll, I'll, play, I'll play the child. You play the... Uh, that way it be easier for you. Go ahead. That's okay, great. Yeah. I don't get to see my friends, and I like my friends. You don't get to see your friends if there's no school, and you like your friends. Um, I'm going to use drilling. Stra I'm going to use a second drilling strategy now. That's asking W questions: Who, what, where, when. What's hard for you about not being able to see your friends? I miss them. Ah, I get to play with them at friends. school. Yeah, I get to play with them, and now I'm stuck at home, and I don't get to play with them. Ah, so if you get to go to school, you get to play with your friends, but if there's a snow day, you're stuck at home, and you don't get to play with your friends. Do, do you get to play with anybody if there's a snow day? Yeah, just my stupid brother. Ah, uh, so the only person who's available for you to play with on a snow day is your stupid brother, and you'd rather be playing with your friends at school, it sounds like what you're saying. Do I have that right? Yeah, and, and, and all you're going to do is work. You're going to be talking on the phone and, and working the whole time. Right. So that's true. When I'm home uh, on a snow day, I have to do a lot of work on the phone. And that's, that's hard for you, too? What's hard about that for you? Because you don't do anything with me. You Got just it. are only talking on the phone. So now I'm going to use another drilling strategy, by the way, called summarizing and asking for more. I'm going to summarize. This kind of keeps things organized, and it helps us find out if there's anything more. So what I understand is on snow days, 
You can't play with your friends at school because you're not at school. And all you're left with to play with is your stupid brother. And you don't have me to play with because I'm on the phone the whole time. Do I have that right? Yeah, you got it. Is there anything else making it difficult for you about um, having to stay home on a snow day? No, but that's a lot. That was the empathy step. Now, by the way, the empathy step can go on mm, on fairly complex unsolved problems. The empathy step could take a half an hour. But I would say on average, the empathy step is five or ten minutes. So that would go down as a relatively quick empathy step. But we just got three concerns out of the kid. She doesn't have anybody to play with except her stupid brother. She would like to play with her friends. And the parent is on the phone and isn't available. Great. Mission accomplished. What would come next is the define adult concern step. Um, my concern, and once again, this is how the unsolved problem is affecting the kid and how the unsolved problem is affecting other people. Let me think about what the adult's concern would be on that. My concern, I can help you on that. So my concern as a working mother is that, yes, I wasn't planning on this darn snow day either, and I have got a boatload of work to do, and I need you to behave so that I can get my work done, and then we can play this afternoon. That would be my uh, first thought, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little too personal, I guess, huh? <laughs> no, um, but uh, I'm going to condense it a little. Uh, if I don't work on the snow day, then I could lose my job because I wouldn't be doing a very good job, and that would make it that would not be good because then we wouldn't have the money that I get from my job, and that would be bad for the whole family. That's the define yeah. it all concern step. Yeah. Here's the invitation. Now, before we enter the invitation, we need to prioritize a little bit, but I'm not – often we prioritize if there are so many concerns that – one problem-solving session is not going to be able to solve them all at once. But I'm going to use all three here because I think they kind of meld together. I wonder if there's something we can do about the fact that you don't have your friends to play with at school on a snow day, and you don't have me to play with because I'm on the phone, and all that's left is your brother. But also make sure that I can get my work done so that I can keep my job and so that our family can have money. Now you're going to give the kid the first crack at the solution. Do you have any ideas? Now, once again, maybe the kid does and maybe the kid doesn't. We're going to be patient here because it's good for the kid to learn how to do this. But if the kid doesn't have any ideas, it's okay for the adult to kick in with some ideas. Um, and now we are problem solving. And once again, I don't tell people what the solution is because it's whatever people come up with that works for them. But a potential solution is that, um, first of all, when we know there's going to be a snow day, we make greater effort to plan play dates. Another potential solution is that mom says she doesn't have to work the entire day. And that if we can just give her three or four hours to get her work done, she would be available to play. Another potential solution is to think of things that the kid does enjoy doing with her stupid brother to make it through the snow day. Those are all potential solutions. Um, hopefully, one or more of them would solve the problem. And then our snow day problem is solved. And once again... Solved problems don't cause challenging episodes. Only unsolved problems do. And so what I hear you saying with this particular situation is the mother was generalizing in that uh, describing a rigidity, but that you can't solve a general inability to handle change, but you can solve how it reflects and causes problems in the child's life and your life. So you have to Bingo. problem solve the specifics. Okay. Let me but let me just make one other point about that. Yes, yeah, please. Mm -hmm. Once the kid has that solution and that experience of solving that problem under her belt, um, besides the relationship building benefit, besides the communication benefit, she now also has one solution in her snow day repertoire. And by the way, 
you asked at the very beginning, how is it that we come to be pretty good at um, controlling our emotions and solving problems? This is huge. This is how human beings develop, and other species too, develop what we might call a problem-solving repertoire. Um, and those repertoires are stored in that very important organ we have called our brain, past experience, observational learning, how we've seen that problem solved by somebody else. But that kid now has one solution in her snow day repertoire. First of all, that solution may help her on another snow day. It might not. Things might not be exactly the same. We might need another solution in her snow day repertoire. But that kid now also has one experience under her belt of having dealt with life when it threw us a ringer, when it was unpredictable. And it is conceivable, although one solution isn't going to get us there, multiple solutions will, it's conceivable that that solution could help her in a scenario in which life threw her for a loop and wasn't predictable under a completely different circumstance, but she now has one experience under her belt of having dealt with that successfully. That can't help but help her when it happens again. Might not get her all the way there. She might need a lot more solutions and a lot more practice, but that's how we human beings learn how to solve problems. And how do we regulate our emotions? By solving the problems that could cause our emotions to spin out of control. Exactly, and the more positive and the more experience we have, the better the better we are as, as with anything. With and, and the better the more experience she has in handling life's unpredictabilities, the hopefully and it won't be quick, but uh, down the line she will be better to handle it. Let me throw out another example, another sure. scenario. Um, I don't actually know if this is a mother or a father who's writing this. Our middle daughter loves to watch YouTube videos. We have reasonable expectations around screen time. We also have four kids. The other three are responsive to our rules. The daughter, This daughter is not. She is 11, almost 12. She can't seem to transition from watching her videos to doing anything else. If we take them away completely, she goes berserk. How can we help? How can we help her use screens in a reasonable way? We can't ban them entirely because it isn't fair to our other kids. All right, so we're going to have our – first thing we're going to do is try to uh, think through the – she is not being a brat. Her behavior may be driving you crazy, but she is not intentionally trying to ruin life for you and her three siblings. She yep. is uh, lacking the skill. Uh, at least one of the skills she's lacking is the ability to transition. So we would go through and get our brain adjusted from the this brat I want to pinch her little head off to my child lacks something that she <laughs> needs, and so I need to think about it. What is she lacking, and how am I better able to help? How can we problem solve in a way that will help her gain some of these skills? All right, so now and we've got the, our brain. Go we've ahead. We've got it. Right. So by the way, right. there's one other thing just specific to my understanding of people who often listen to your program. There's another explanation that would not help us understand why this kid is having this difficulty, and that is because she's adopted. Adopted kids are um, all completely different. Some have difficulty turning off the YouTube to come to dinner, and some don't. Mm The first thing we want to make sure this parent does, and I predicted that we'd have to do this every time, is get that assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems downloaded and make a list of every expectation this kid is having difficulty meeting when it comes to ending the YouTube and moving on to something else, whether it's coming to dinner or doing homework or going to bed or whatever. We need a comprehensive list because we don't want to assume that because all of those unsolved problems involve the YouTube, that the explanation for what's making it hard for her to meet those expectations is the same for every one of them. They're unlikely to be the same. So we're going to make a list. Even though they all involve YouTube, we're going to make a list of each expectation the kid is having difficulty meeting when it comes to getting off the YouTube. Now, there's well, some well, let me, general... Let, wait, let me Sorry, stop there because I want to make sure I'm understanding you. So we would say... 
Okay, she has trouble uh, stopping YouTube when her screen time is up. She has trouble getting off of the computer uh, when it's uh, she's watching it before dinner and we say time for dinner. She has trouble if she's watching it before bedtime and we say time for bedtime. So there's right. a screen, the screen time could be running out or there's an activity that we expect her to do. Um, okay, gotcha. Okay, so we've Got defined it. it very so, specifically. Yeah. But actually, if I was working with these parents, I would want them to be very specific about how much time is allotted for YouTube. Because if we simply say uh, difficulty getting off the YouTube when we say so, we actually don't have an expectation there because it could be variable every day. So many parents that I work with think when I say so is an explicit okay. expectation. It's not. Um, uh-huh. Difficulty getting off the YouTube after 30 minutes. If, if, if their time limit is 30 minutes, that's a better restatement of the expectation. Difficulty, that's a good, really good dis- yep. distinction. Okay. Yep. Difficulty ending the YouTube to come in for dinner. Difficulty ending the YouTube to go to bed at night at 8.30 p.m. Uh, difficulty ending the YouTube to sit down and do homework at 5 p.m. Really important to be – here's what's interesting before we get to the problem itself. We adults are way better at noticing what the kid is doing that we don't like. <laughs> we often aren't very good at knowing what our expectation is in the first place. So a good deal of the work that I do with parents is helping them actually figure out what their expectation is because if the parent doesn't know what his or her expectation is, I can promise you there's somebody else who doesn't either, and that's the kid. Um, mm-hmm. But So we're going to first of all help these parents be much more specific about the expectations the kid is having difficulty meeting. Then we're going to help them prioritize which ones they're going to work on first. We're never having people work on more than two or three unsolved problems at a time. And now let's start on one. You want to be the kid again? Sure. I've noticed you've been having difficulty ending the YouTube video to come in for dinner. What's up? I'm not hungry, and I was in the middle of a really good video about cats, and I like cats, and so I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. Beautiful. Uh, I'm going to do reflective listening. And by the way, our, our audience now knows three drilling strategies. Reflective listening, which is the one they'll be using most often. Uh, who, what, where, when questions, not why, just who, what, where, when, and summarizing and asking for more. I bet I'm not going to need any more than those three, even though there's eight of them. So uh, you sometimes are in the middle of a video that you're really liking, and sometimes you're not hungry. Um, do I have that right? Yeah. Anything else making it difficult for you to end the YouTube video and come in for dinner? Well, I don't get to watch it afterwards because then we got to get ready for bed and, you know, mm-hmm. and read books and do stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't get to do it afterwards, so I'm not going to get to finish it. So, ah, so you wouldn't get to finish the video um, that day, right? Right. Got it. So first of all, I'm going to summarize here. First of all, you're in the middle of a video that you're really enjoying uh, and you'd like to finish it. Secondly, you're concerned that you won't be able to finish it that day. And thirdly, sometimes you're not even hungry to come in for dinner. So far, so good? Yeah, Yeah, you got it. Anything else making it difficult for you to come in for dinner uh, and the YouTube to come in for dinner? No, that's it. All right. That's what the empathy step would sound like. And by the way, we're doing very quick empathy steps here. Yeah, just I was because say. <laughs> no child is <laughs> going to say, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, when, when, adults, when adults role play doing an empathy step, it goes much faster than it really would because <laughs> it just does. Um, kids, you know, we're projecting is, what we wish it would be, okay? <laughs> well, um, we're, we're saying things that we know kids say. The thing is, right. kids are not always so quick on the draw there. It sometimes takes them a while yeah. to figure it out. So we don't want people thinking, wow, this is only going to take a minute out of my day, and look at all the problems I can solve. It's going to take longer than that. Uh, Of course, meltdowns take a lot longer, so this is still time efficient. Define adult concern step would be the adult entering their concern into consideration. Once again, how it's affecting the kid, how it's affecting others. My concern is that um, if you don't come in for dinner, you know, we love to eat dinner as a family. It's our only family time of the day. It's when we get to hear what everybody, how everybody's day has been and really come together as a family. And we would miss you if you weren't at dinner with us and we wouldn't be able to hear about how your day went and you wouldn't be able to hear about everybody else's day. 
That's the define adult concern step. The invitation. And by the way, notice we're not saying anything like, well, when we try to get you off the YouTube, you, you pitch a fit and it gets ugly and it ruins the whole night. We're not saying that. We're not talking about the child's challenging behavior in the define adult concern step, just how it's affecting the kid, how it's affecting others. The invitation. I wonder if there's something we can do. Oh, now we've got to pick one. This I would prioritize on. Let's prioritize, uh, and we would ask the kid to help us prioritize, by the way. And I'm going to prioritize the one about not being able to watch the rest of the video that day. wonder if there's something we can do about you not being able to watch the rest of the video that day. And also make sure that you are part of the family at dinner and that we get to hear about your day and that you get to hear about ours. Do you have any ideas? And now we're well, solving the ask, problem. Go ahead. Well, let me ask a question because the, the kid is going to probably say, yeah, let me watch the rest of the video uh, after dinner. And, uh, and, and that would solve the problem, but then that raises another issue for the parents in that the kid will then be either not going through a bedtime routine, let's assume that that involves reading and things that the parents value, um, or the child will be staying up later, or maybe the child wouldn't have time for a bath or things like that. So it's uh, in making an exception on one case and saying, okay, you know, it's not – it's not going to be a problem one night if if she goes to bed 30 minutes later. But it it isn't uh, necessarily, but it could be a problem if if you don't want that to become the pattern. All reasonable. Once we get a solution on the table, and this this is a crucial piece, we have to decide, we have to give conscious, deliberate thought to whether the solution is truly realistic and truly mutually satisfactory. So if the kid said... Let me just watch the rest of the YouTube after dinner. Then the concerns you just raised about the feasibility of that solution um, would have to be entered into consideration. So it's not really an exception that we're talking about. It's the hard work of figuring out, is this solution really realistic and really mutually satisfactory? And in the process of that, the kid might say, how about, how about I take my shower before dinner so that I don't have to do it after dinner and then I would have those 15 minutes to finish the YouTube video. That's a kid who's engaged Mm -hmm. in problem solving. That's a kid who's Mm -hmm. really thinking. That's a kid who's taking somebody else's concerns into account. That's how you solve problems and end the meltdowns. And by the way, We began the program by saying how we're going to help kids um, self-regulate in the midst of frustration. The whole point of this model is to get parents out of the heat of the moment, solving problems proactively so the heat of the moment is rare. So this is not about de-escalating. This is about solving problems proactively so there's nothing to de-escalate in the first place. And if by chance... An unsolved problem should pop up, and people think it's a true surprise. Well, we're going to have to add that to our list, and we're going to have to decide, is that one that we missed, is that one we should start working on right now? I want, There are two quotes that you have that I love so much. One of them is, kids do well if they can. Just put a little meat on that for us. I think that is so... I think it's uh, it, it's the heart of perhaps setting your the the very first step, which is uh, understanding uh, uh, not the empathy part, but the understanding what skills our kids may be lacking. But what do you mean by that? Kids do well if they can. It means that if your kid could do well, he or she would do well, and if he or she isn't doing well, it's because he or she is lacking skills, and that he or she is having difficulty meeting certain expectations. That's what kids do well if they can mean. It's a big departure from kids do well if they want to, which is the belief that the kid isn't doing well because he or she doesn't want to do well. Mm -hmm. This model carries with it the assumption that if this kid, that kids do want to do well, something's getting in their way. And the best thing we can do is help them figure out what's getting in their way. 
And there's one other quote that I want to make sure I get out there, and that is, good parenting means being responsive to the hand you've been dealt. I absolutely love that because I think sometimes we as parents, it's like we feel, of course, we're feeling overwhelmed, but uh, with our child's behavior. But it's, we think this is not this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> you know, I didn't go into this. And and I think that perhaps particularly uh, foster and, and parents who've adopted older kids uh, uh, feel that way. Uh, so so good parents, good parenting means being responsive to the hand you've been dealt. Can you add anything to that? Meet your kid where he or she is at. Um, I have a parent that I work with, not a parent of an adoptive kid, but a parent of a completely out-of-control kid at the time, who said that probably the best thing I ever said to her was, meet your kid where she's at. Sometimes we parents have such lofty aspirations for our kids, we lose sight of what is actually sitting in front of us. Uh, The hand you've been dealt is what's sitting in front of you. Got to be responsive to it. First, you've got to know what you got in your hand. And this model, that's not just about lagging skills and unsolved problems, although that's big. It's also about looking at strengths. Mm-hmm, exactly, and, and noticing the strengths. So we've got the three steps, or I guess really a fourth step, which is first, understand what it is that specific skills your child does not yet have. And then the three steps of resolving it are to listen, to find out from your child, gather the information, that's the empathy step, as to why they're having problems. I forgot to mention that being very specific as to the unsolved problem was helpful. The second step is uh, expressing your own concerns as to why this is causing you or other people problems. And the third step is to invite solutions, starting with, I wonder if there's a way and let your child go first. That's uh, not trying to uh, oversimplify. The website uh, that uh, we have mentioned that I want you to uh, go to to get some of this information is livesinthebalance.org. That is livesinthebalance.org. Thank you so much, Dr. Ross Green, for being with us today to talk about uh, de-escalation, but, but the heart of de-escalation is solving the problem so that you don't have the escalation. So thank you so much for talking with us today on, on this topic. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You are listening to Creating a Family, and let me remind you that this show, as well as all of our resources, come through the support of organizations who believe in our mission. One such organization is Children's Connection, Inc. They're an adoption agency providing services for domestic infant adoption and embryo donation and adoption throughout the U.S. They also do home studies and post-adoption support to families in Texas. And let me remind you that the opinions expressed in this interview are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the positions of creating a family. Our sponsors are our underwriters. And, of course, this was general advice, and to understand how it applies to your specific situation, you need to work with your adoption professional. Right now at the Home Depot, you'll save up to 35% off appliance special buys, like a GE Appliance's top-load washer and dryer pair with deep clean and deep rinse options, a reliable heavy-duty agitator, and four precise water levels, just $4.78 each. Wash, dry, save, repeat. Today is the day for doing with Spring Black Friday savings now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only while supplies last. Gas dryer express store for details valid through April 17th. Everything you're hearing is from the Home Depot, from the baseboards and nails to these throw pillows, even those super soft sheets. Because now at the Home Depot, you can get everything for your bedroom, from wooden nightstands to modern benches. Save up to 25% on select bedroom furniture, plus free and flexible delivery and easy in-store returns. Shop decor now at homedepot.com. More saving, more kinds of doing. Valid on select items online only. Free delivery on select items, $45 or more. Visit homedepot.com for more information.